We are going to energize the country. We need to wake up and smell the coffee. No more Mr. Nice Guy. Another future is possible, but we've got to fight for it. Order! Hello and welcome to the Debated Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Will. And in this episode, I'm delighted to be joined by Brandon Green, who is one third of the Left Wingers podcast and who is standing uh, to be elected to the Young Fabians executive. And that's what we're going to be uh, discussing today, his campaign to be elected for the Young Fabians executive. Welcome to the podcast, Brandon. Hi, Will. Thank you so much for having me on. Uh, I love the debate podcast. Um, uh, It's quite strange to actually be on the other side of the podcast world and actually being interviewed. It's cool. (laughs) <laughs> yes, no, no, no. I, I know your feeling. It can be uh, quite weird. And we uh, debated a great uh, fans of uh, Left Wingers as well. It's an excellent podcast. If you haven't uh, checked it out, make sure that you do. Um, so the first question that I'd like to ask is, what made you uh, decide to uh, you know, start the campaign that you're having at the moment to be elected uh, to the Young Fabians executive? I think it's about being passionate about people in the young Fabians mm-hmm. and wanting to get the best out of them possible. Mm-hmm. Um, I've got a lot of experience with now networking with people inside the young Fabians and I know what people come to expect of the society. Um, so I feel like I'm in a good position to actually try and lead that going into the future. Um, I've got a lot of ideas about how it can be changed because this current executive have done a brilliant job at managing uh, the young Fabians throughout the pandemic. It's a, it's been a really tricky job mm. um, as for anybody with um, experience leading an organization through, through these times. But um, yeah, I feel like I have something to offer to the society and um, why not now? Why not go for it now? <laughs> Absolutely. Why not now? Um, for those who aren't uh, familiar uh, with the young Fabians, could you give a, a, a basic uh, potted account of uh, what the young Fabians are and uh, their relationship to the Fabian Society? Well, the Young Fabians are the youth wing of the the wider Fabian Society. It has its own um, executive committee, what I'm running for. Um, But apart from that, it's basically just everything that the main Fabian Society is doing, but Mm -hmm. with young people. Um, It's under 31s, I believe. Mm -hmm. Could be wrong, but I think it's under 31s. And um, it the Fabian Society is just a society for left-wing political nerds. That's, that's the, the long and short of it. Um, there's a massive focus on policy. Um, we're committed to gradual, uh, but at the same time, quite radical change. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, the society actually came out of kind of being the intellectual wing of the labour movement. Um, and it's kind of still is that today, but its focus is more on policy and creating ideas that the, the main party can um, either choose to take or, or not. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you mentioned uh, one of the things that you want to do is to implement um, some changes uh, to the Young Fabians. And I know one of the things that you're particularly passionate about is giving uh, the regional groups uh, more support and uh, you know, making sure that people know that the regional groups uh, are out there. Why do you think it's important to give that kind of support and give that kind of recognition to uh, the Young Fabians regional groups? Well, my, one of my aims is to actually decentralise the Young Fabians because at the moment it's a very, very, very London-centric organisation. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's a lot of talented people in London, and I'm not going to take away from them by saying that because there are a lot of talented people in the Fabians around the area. But there's also talented Fabians in the rest of the country that I think you know get a bit of a raw deal in that 
we don't necessarily have the bigger events. We don't necessarily um, get the support that we need to to grow. Uh, I'm from Barnsley. I'm living in Sheffield and I'm sat on the uh, Yorkshire and Humber, Young Fabians um, mm-hmm. exec. And our experience through that has been that um, the executive committee have always been supportive, but there's not necessarily a dedicated role to managing the regional groups on the executive committee so that's something that i'd like to change um most of the time you have to go to the chair to ask for support mm-hmm. yeah. um but the chair is a very busy, busy person whoever they are um and it'd be nice to actually have somebody who's dedicated in their role to managing these regional groups um and apart from that also sharing best practice between um the various regional groups because um that's the only way that you can really uh, grow these organizations because I've had somebody say to me that the Fabians is a very DIY, do-it-yourself kind of organisation. And you are in charge of setting up these structures as a young Fabians member in the way that you you want to see them made. And um, I think the way that we can give more people support in doing that is by sharing um, those good ideas that we've had in the various regional groups and um, trying to get members engaged who haven't been engaged before. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned um, the Yorkshire and Humber uh, regional group there. And of course, we've had uh, George Fairhurst on the podcast quite a, uh, a few times in the first appearance discussing uh, that group. Um, for people who are perhaps not aware as to uh, what regional groups, uh, regional networks get up to, could you give us sort of like an, an idea as to how um, different or similar the uh, regional networks are to the the main young Fabians and what kind of things that they uh, hope to achieve within their particular regions? Well, it's, it's about getting members involved, members engaged and feeling mm-hmm. empowered and that they can actually make change within the Fabian society. Um, so in our regional network, um, a lot of what we do is just about planning socials mm-hmm. and actually getting people involved and allowing them to network and find new friends. That's a big part of what being part of the Fabian Society is about, Mm. Uh, but also putting on events with local um, political leaders and business leaders. So then um, you've got more kind of a a localised look on politics at the moment Mm. and on policy um, because the the national organisation does a great job at actually creating pamphlets and creating uh, policy documents and ideas about policy. But it's, it's actually quite interesting to look at how that's applied at a local level. And that's something that regional groups can do, which the national organisation just can't, mm-hmm. but doesn't have the kind of localised knowledge of what's, what's needed. Do you think that uh, it's important, as you, you mentioned the socials, they're organising the socials, uh, that make sure that with the socials there is a mix between um, in-person events and online events because of course because of the pandemic a lot of people uh, haven't been going to um, in-person events because obviously uh, through different parts of the pandemic not been allowed etc and obviously um, people who have uh, perhaps uh, immunocompromised systems won't be wanting to go to uh, in-person uh, events until things are uh, a bit more settled and even more of the population has been uh, vaccinated. Is that something that you think uh, should continue uh, further into the future, a sort of 50-50 uh, split on in-person and online events? Or do you see there as being a particular um, time limit on how long you want to have online events continuing in, in, in such a, a major uh, role? as part of uh, social events and, and different events? Well, absolutely. I'm I'm completely in favour of having hybrid kind of in-person virtual events in the future because 
a lot of people have attended the Fabian's online events um, for the first time even um, because it's given them the opportunity to get involved where they don't necessarily have to get to a location because obviously you have um, different accessibility needs um, for attending events and also cost mm. is a big factor in it. Um, it's quite expensive to be uh, traveling around the country and going to various little um, events here and there. Uh, but what I'd like to see is that it's, it's a little bit more dif- difficult for socials because mm-hmm. um, conversations are a bit more dynamic than you get in mm. a kind of uh, conference or panel event but where there are those panel events and we have guest speakers I think there's absolutely no reason to uh, not actually stream them online so that mm-hmm. other um, young Fabians who can't be on it can't be there on the day can actually get involved mm-hmm. um, in that way and if we can make them as dynamic as possible and allow Fabians who can't attend to for example ask questions mm-hmm. get involved in the discussion um, that's what I'd really like to see because it'd be a shame to lose all the people who the young Fabians have managed to engage throughout the pandemic because mm-hmm. of the move back to in-person events and socials um, we have actually seen a drop-off of members who would normally be engaged in in-person mm. times. Um, but it'd be nice to have both lots of members engaged. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that's the the ideal. Mm-hmm. Uh, and one of the other things that um, you're uh, running on, on that you uh, want to make a part of your campaign, a central part of your campaign, is promoting uh, positive stories uh, related to uh, Fabian membership to young Fabian um, members uh, what, what sort of positive stories do you have in mind what what, what do you mean by uh, promoting uh, positive stories well one of the things about the Fabian society is that a lot of people just don't know what it is <laughs> I didn't really know very much about it um, before I, I started getting involved um, I didn't know what it did what its place was in the wider Labour Party um, what events they put on what the benefits would be to me as being a member um, And I joined the Fabians actually by talking to other people who were Fabians. We had Adam Olnut, who was the the chair of the Young Fabians at the time, come onto the Mm -hmm. Left Winger's podcast. And he put an excellent case forward for joining the Fabians. And he talked about all the kind of soft skills that you build by being Mm -hmm. part of the organisation. So for me, a lot of the skills that I've built are in communication, in confidence in particular. Um, I wasn't really aware of how to kind of grapple policy or... Mm -hmm. Um, how to read policy and be critical of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's something yeah. that I think I've got a lot better at through being part of the Fabians. And also actually writing, writing mm. skills. It's quite daunting to try and um, write a blog post for the first time, but you've mm. got such a great support network around you to kind of encourage you and show you show you the ropes, if you like, of, of writing. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, that can make a, a big change in how you how you feel about kind of being able to formulate policy and how you articulate your ideas. Um, And also the kind of social element of it. Mm. It's been brilliant meeting so many new, fascinating and uh, ambitious young people who they may not necessarily know what they want out of life yet, but they've got all the skills there to take them wherever they need to go. Um, And uh, it's about kind of, it is about building that confidence and, um, giving you those skills so then you can do whatever you want going into the future I mean not everybody who's a Fabian will go into politics Mm -hmm. not everybody will um, be part of the civil service you can go into all different kinds of walks of life Uh, but it does give you those skills that I don't think the education system gives you Mm -hmm. um, enough of uh, and that's kind of the benefit of it 
to me personally, mm, yeah, as well as actually being part of a bigger kind of policy program yeah. and talking about the exciting radical things that we could do in the future as, as the Labour Party. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you mentioned um, policy there and you mentioned it uh, throughout the podcast because it is something that is um, vitally uh, important to the, the Fabians, the young Fabians, the formulation of policy, the discussion uh, of policy. Uh, and do you think that there are uh, certain policies, certain uh, pamphlets that you've uh, read recently that you would particularly like to uh, promote on the Young Fabians executive, some sort of like ideas that you think um, perhaps have been in a, a policy paper or perhaps they've been in a blog post that have got a certain amount of attention, but you'd like to give them uh, even more attention to sort of like push them even further with the role on the executive? Yeah, so um, actually I've used Fabian's policy papers before in my assignments at uni. <laughs> That's how much kind of weight I give to them. I think yeah. they're absolutely fascinating. Mm. Um it just kind of bodies of information mm. and there is a lot of opinion in there, but that's okay. Um, mm. Because, you know, you need those different perspectives that go into the pamphlets mm. to actually make it um, worthwhile reading. Mm. Um, I used uh, the most recent one that I've actually used in a uni assignment. It's one that hasn't actually, it's not actually that recent, but it was about the, um, the future of trade unions mm. and kind of looking at the modern challenges that trade unions face um, and how, and how we can, go into the future and grow them as as separate to the rest of the Labour Party and the rest of the Labour movement. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was absolutely fascinating to read because some of the ideas that were getting put forward, I not even considered. And that's the thing, when you go into these pamphlets and you look at them, um, there's always ideas in there that surprise you. You'd never considered them before. Mm-hmm. Uh, they make you think, they make you, you question the status quo. And I think that's what it's all about, really. It's about um, kind of getting people to question the current policies of of the government or the Labour Party at the time and asking how we can make them better so then they work for um for the people that we meant to represent Mm -hmm. absolutely um now I'd just like to turn to uh, the left wingers podcast because I mentioned it at the start of the uh start of the discussion uh, with your good self and of course it is an excellent podcast it's one that highly recommend uh, you checking out if you enjoy uh, debated or you enjoy any political podcast it's, it's well worth listening to but I, I just like to ask what was it that made you uh, and the other people involved decide to start uh, the left wingers podcast what sort of like prompted you to, to to come up with the idea of it and to to put it into action uh well to be honest i stole the idea <laughs> <laughs> um it was a podcast originally run by um, Lauren, who's mm-hmm. um, who's part of the uh, Criminal Justice Network in the Young Fabians, and somebody else that she knew. Mm-hmm. And um, there's a little bit of friction there, uh, but I saw how great the idea was of having mm-hmm. uh, a podcast that was just dedicated to talking about left-wing ideas. Mm-hmm. And so I came on board with... Um, my friend Ross, who's from Scotland, mm-hmm. uh, we joined Lauren and we changed up the name. It used to be called Chaos With, <laughs> inspired by Ed Miliband. Uh, we changed the name to the Left Wingers um, because that's what we are. We're Left Wing Wingers. Uh, but to say that, we've I think we've covered some pretty important topics um, in, I hope, a sensitive way. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've noticed that there's not enough platforms, media platforms mm-hmm. for young people to access that kind of explain the ins and outs of politics mm. and um, look at it from a left-wing perspective. The media is, is just so dem- dominated by right-wing mm. opinion. Yeah. And we want to kind of show a bit of opposition to that. We don't claim to be unbiased in any way, shape or form. <laughs> We're very, very biased. Um, 
but you know we're unashamedly so um we're not just kind of a labor party podcast although mm-hmm. that is the majority of the guests that we get on mm-hmm. you know we get we get people from other different parts of um the political world um mm-hmm. but yeah we are unashamedly left-wing <laughs> <laughs> well it would be uh it, it seemed a bit of a uh, on honest description of you know giving you left wing as you weren't left wing so <laughs> it works in your favour I think and uh, you've of course you mentioned um, Lauren there and Lauren has been uh, someone who has uh, come on uh, debating is it again another uh, friend of the um, debated um, podcast I, I just wonder um, you mentioned obviously um, different uh, topics that you've um, tackled some of them sensitive um, topics. Uh, has there been anything in particular that when you've been recording an episode, perhaps on a particular topic or even just uh, speaking to a particular guest, where you really felt that you've learned something that prior to the podcast you you, you didn't know or that has uh, changed your opinion of a, a particular uh, subject? Yeah, um, so we had, I think the, the episode that has kind of changed my perspective the most because it's just it's just an, an area of life that I'm, I don't know very much about. Mm. And we had... Uh, some guests on from um, GRT Racism and um, the uh, they used to have a different name, but I think they're called GRT Socialists now. Mm-hmm. Um, and they came on to talk about the experience of Gypsy Roma Traveller people mm-hmm. um, and kind of the, the discrimination that they face mm-hmm. in education, in public services, in just life in general. And some of the things that they were saying were really revealing to me because I'd never seen or heard that perspective before. You know, a lot of the media is very hostile to this group in society for no reason. Um, it's just basic bigotry. Mm. Um, and it's so great having people come on and kind of tell that different perspective mm. and share their life experiences. And that's one of the things that I think I've really loved about doing the podcast, kind of gathering together these personal experiences of people, um, sharing different perspectives that most people aren't exposed to. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that was that was a, an amazing episode. Mm. Do you think then that, because um, I mean, you, you mentioned uh, this, the sort of like the dominance of uh, the, the writing of a particular um, political opinion in the media. Do you think that podcasts like Left Winders and other uh, media platforms are changing the way that people consume news and consume politics? And do you think that that's something that is going to have a, uh, a knock-on effect in the future that as more uh, podcasts and more... Uh, platforms that are perhaps not as uh, allied to the more uh, established media outlets emerge, the people's perspectives and the way that they understand politics is going to to change and it is going to be a a permanent shift. Yeah, um, well, podcasting as a kind of way to get across information is really great because you're straight into someone's ear they can be they can be cooking they can be jogging um they can be procrastinating from work and you're there you're chatting away to them about whatever you feel is important um at the time it is it is a fantastic kind of medium of of how we can communicate with each other um and i do think that it poses a challenge to kind of traditional media forms because um it's not it's not round the clock coverage by mm-hmm. the news. Yeah. Um, it's very kind of it captures a moment, I think, mm-hmm. better than other um, kind of media channels. And also, it's a great way to actually have um, quite lengthy discussions about things that matter to the listeners. Because mm-hmm. 
you have to try and find podcasts most of the time. You have to be looking for them to actually come across yeah, them. Yeah. <laughs> um, so the people who actually click on your podcast are generally quite engaged with what you're doing it about anyway. Yeah. Um, and it's about kind of, it's about uh, harnessing that engagement and having those interactions with your audience because that's one thing that I think newspapers and uh, television and uh, even to an extent kind of um, talk shows don't do the kind of engagement aspect and being able to have that two-way conversation so a lot of the guests that we've had on are people who used to listen to us and found our content interesting mm-hmm. and thought that they had to had something to contribute to it yeah. um and that's kind of how we how we build up our <laughs> our pool of guests and um yeah i do i do think it poses a challenge because unlike before where all the information is coming from a few rich billionaires who will have a very set agenda. Mm. Now everybody can (laughs) broadcast their own opinions and have their own biases. And Mm -hmm. you can really shop around and see what, what political persuasion kind of persuades you. Mm -hmm. Um, I think one of the the good things about our podcast is that we're not, we're not of the same opinion. Mm -hmm. We're all left-wing, but we're not of the same opinion on a lot of political issues. And that creates healthy discussion mm. that I think is lacking on a lot of uh, on a lot of media channels I watch um, GMB in the morning sometimes mm-hmm. and the kind of panel debates that they're having are not at all constructive <laughs> um, there's a lot of aggression there's a lot there's a lack of understanding between the mm. people who are talking to one another yeah. and I think that's something that a podcast gives you the opportunity to escape from because you can you can listen to people talking about current news events, mm-hmm. but they're not they're not angry with each other. Mm-hmm. They're not they're not having a debate. They're having a discussion. Yeah, um, and I think you can take more away from that. Mm-hmm. What do you see as the um, future? of left wingers do, do you have a sort of like a, a secret five-year plan that you've got stashed <laughs> away somewhere or i mean i wish that we were that organized that'd be brilliant um no i think the most exciting thing that we've got coming up and i'm not sure if i'm allowed to say this because i haven't asked my other presenters um uh but it was it was kathleen's idea so kathleen's um, a new presenter that we've had on i say new she's been with us nearly a year now um but <laughs> it feels like it's quite new still mm-hmm. um, her idea was that we should go to conference mm-hmm. and um we should chat to people there basically <laughs> what, what a radical idea um and so at conference we're going to be um, doing daily updates about what's happening mm-hmm. uh what what the kind of big issues of the day are mm-hmm what people think about what's going on. Um, things will move fast. We'll probably have to do this in between drinking and uh, <laughs> mixing. Uh, but I, yeah, I think it's going to be enjoyable. It's going to be, it's going to be fun. And I hope that people will appreciate how much fun we're having and have fun um, on our favourite conference journey too. Do you think that that's something that um, perhaps will be a, a, an interesting window that perhaps people don't, always get to see some of the inner workings of the Labour Party conference, because quite often, uh, if people aren't actually there, the, the the kind of exposure that they'll get is they might see, say, the, the leader's speech reported uh, on the news, or they might see other prominent figure uh, speeches reported on the news. But generally, they won't get the same kind of like um, feeling for the conference that perhaps when you're uh, doing your uh, different chats to people there, that they, they will. Do you, th- do you think that that will open people's eyes perhaps as to what exactly the the Labour Party's conference is like for those who haven't been there? 
Uh, I hope so. I mean, I haven't been to the Labour Party conference before, so mm. everything will be a new experience to me. And I hope I can bring that to the podcast and, and kind of have the the newbies, um, the newbies guide on what's happening at conference um, because it does feel a little bit, it does feel a little bit kind of alien and mm. like its own isolated thing. Um, you occasionally hear stories. <laughs> most of the time negative on the grapevine about what happens at Labour Conference. So I hope that we can kind of paint a positive picture of people, you know, having a good time, socialising, talking about the big ideas of the day um, and the Labour Party's future. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah absolutely. Um, now, uh, just have to quickly turn to one of the uh, uh, big issues that has dominated the, the news in um, recent days has been... Uh, the proposed and now voted on and going to be implemented rise in uh, national insurance contributions. Now, the Labour Party is uh, opposed to that as they believe that as a means of paying for social care, that it will obviously hit um, working people more than those uh, perhaps who could uh, afford to, to, to pay uh, a gross contribution of, of tax, i.e. those who have uh, got a, a higher income bracket than those who obviously um, pay national insurance who are um, contributions who are generally on the um, uh, lower scale of um, of income. What are, what are your thoughts on the raising of national insurance? Do you think that it's a, a necessary thing to uh, pay for social care, or do you think it's just going to uh, hit working people and not really going to pay for social care in a meaningful way? Well, I don't think that anybody would be in any doubt that social care does need reform. Yeah. Um, the system isn't fit for purpose. You know, you want to, you'd like to think that society is most vulnerable, like getting looked after to at the highest quality available. Mm-hmm. Um, but the fact is that a lot of workers in social care are incredibly overstretched. Mm-hmm. They're incredibly hardworking, yeah. uh, but they just don't have the support um, and the numbers that they need, basically. Mm. Um, there's a complete lack of funding for services, which, you know, the the, uh, the national insurance contributions are meant, is meant to kind of try and fix. Yeah. Um, and there's a lack of mental health support in particular, mm. uh, because it is a, a, a challenging job. Um, it's a job that takes a big mental and physical toll, mm. um, and there needs to be more support for um for social care workers in that aspect and we really need to try and drive up the quality of the provision of social care services because mm-hmm. like i say these are society's most vulnerable and we want mm-hmm. them to be looked after to the to the best kind of standard mm-hmm. that we can yeah. that being said financing through national insurance is uh, a choice mm-hmm. <laughs> and not a very good one mm-hmm. um the fact that it's a they've gone for a regressive tax first as a way to pay for um, our social care services, I think, is disgraceful. Mm. Especially considering the kind of wastage that the government had through the pandemic, with the um, the failed test and trace app, those dodgy can- contracts that they've been handing out, the cutting of stamp duty on second homeowners, super tax deductions. It's all about taking. Um, the cost away from those who can bear the cost um, and placing it on working people who don't have the same kind of money and can't stretch money as far, um, especially alongside the universal credit cut. It's attacking people from, from both ends, attacking their income from both ends and making working people poorer for it. Uh, I, I don't really understand why the government has has done this mm. um, when, well, I, I do because um, <laughs> they've obviously got 
donors who they don't want to annoy and uh, the party proper who they've got to keep on side. But um, I just, I think it's disgraceful. And the fact that landlords can be paying nothing extra because of this increase in national insurance, yet the people who are living in their properties who are working hard day to day will be paying significantly more. Um, it's a disgrace, to be honest. Yeah, <laughs> it's just been a very depressing depressing watch on the news and a very depressing read in the newspapers. Um, but I don't think it's going to go down particularly well. And uh, maybe, I, I doubt it because they've rushed the policy through so quickly. So it seems like the pretty intent on this has been their policy of how they're going to fund social care. But we can always hold out and hope for a U-turn because our government's great at doing that. Yeah. <laughs> They absolutely are. Uh, we're coming towards the end of the podcast, Brandon. It's been um, great speaking to you. And I have one final question. Now, of course, we touched upon uh, left wingers and we've discussed it uh, uh, to a certain extent. Uh, but one thing that I'd be interested to know is if you could have three guests, whether they be uh, living or alive from the history of the Labour Party to have on future editions of the left wingers podcast, what three guests would you pick? You can pick anyone, living or alive. Oh gosh, you're going to have to give me a minute. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, let me think. I think I would definitely love to have on Clement Attlee, mm-hmm. just because he's a Labour figure that I respect so much. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, some of the, the policies they pursued were policies of the time. Mm. And, you know, Labour members today would look down upon them, yeah. um, particularly the way that... Uh, it's kind of international policy towards India mm-hmm. and partition in India. A lot of like party members would look down upon. So it'd be nice to see kind of the reasoning behind the government's policies mm-hmm. um, towards that particular aspect of history. Mm-hmm. Uh, but also kind of <laughs> he's such he's such a, an unusual character because he was very very introverted. Mm-hmm. But it'd be nice to kind of see if you could get any <laughs> any juicy <laughs> stories out of him. I suppose yeah. um, kind of kind of open him up and hear more about how he justifies the way that he pursues his politics yeah it's, it'd be very interesting um yeah. another one let's have a think uh somebody who i've we've actually contacted to be on the left winters podcast um before betty mm. boothroyd mm. uh fabulous speaker yeah. whenever i talk to my family uh, about politics they always say oh she was the best speaker mm. um and I would just love to see her kind of hear her account of events while she was speaker mm. um, and kind of hear her reflections on um, her time in politics and any advice that she has for yeah. um, for young people looking to get into politics. That'd be really interesting. Um, I'm going to go current now. Um, it would be very interesting to... <laughs> we've got a segment on our, on our podcast called Keir Watch mm-hmm. where we, we kind of have a deep dive into what our, our, our leader Keir Starmer is doing. Um, we talk about kind of the issues of the day and how he's responding to them and everything, which is sometimes good, sometimes bad. And sometimes we disagree on whether he's doing stuff well. Um, and it'd be really interesting to hear about his plans for the party. Um, and kind of, it's not an experience, it's not a side of him that I think he would show, mm-hmm. but it'd be interesting to, ask him maybe when the podcast is turned off what his actual thoughts are about <laughs> his current situation as leader um i think that'd be fascinating and actually it's a shame but a lot of the best conversations that we have on the podcast 
are when the recording button stops <laughs> and um, the truth comes out. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no, I know, I know absolutely how you feel <laughs> with that on that point. Um, three absolutely fantastic uh, picks, and uh, hopefully at least two of them will. Uh, appear on on, on left wingers uh, very soon thank you once again uh, for coming on the podcast brandon if people want to find out more about you about your campaign uh, for the young fabians executive about left wingers where should they go um so we're everywhere basically <laughs> we've got <laughs> uh, if you're after the left wingers we've got um a twitter account left underscore wingers uh, we're also on facebook i think our tag on that is just left wingers podcast um or you can email us at left podcast at gmail.com um in terms of my campaign um i am at brandon j underscore 2001 on twitter and that's where all of my campaigning will take place um we're encouraged not to campaign too much mm-hmm. um in this election because you know we want everybody to be given a fighting chance based off of the kind of promises that they've made mm-hmm. um but anything that i do post about the the campaign and the election will be on my my twitter account mm-hmm. absolutely fantastic well thank you once again for coming on the podcast brandon it's been a real delight thank you for having me on Thank you for listening to this episode of the podcast. If you've enjoyed it, you can subscribe to us on iTunes, Spotify, Podbeam and Amazon Music. You can also follow us on Twitter, at Debated Podcast, like us on Facebook, Debated Podcast, and if you'd like to get in touch with us, whether about appearing on an episode of the podcast or commenting on an episode that you've listened to, you can do so at thedebatedpodcast at gmail.com. Thank you for listening. I hope you listen to the next one.